Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue-collar appeal to coming to work, he's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. All right, Zoe is here, I'm sure. You tuned in yesterday, you're like, hey, where's Lorenzo Alexander? It's the lowdown. It's Thursday. What's going on? Well, Wolf, the treat is we get to wrap up the week with Zoe right here. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they get the uh, the benefit when we start talking about the coaching stuff of now kind of knowing all the information for the week. We'll get into that stuff. But, Zoe, let's just start here, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh didn't come in yesterday because I took uh, my sons over to Barry Jackson in the morning. So got a chance to hang out with them. That's one of the cool things about re- being retired, semi-retired. Just, hey, man, I'm not <laughs> I'm not coming to work today. I'm just going to uh, take my sons. All right? I'll see you, to- I'll see you tomorrow. All right? No, but Aaron's always great You actually it. showed up and, and were here tomorrow. Yeah. Usually people say that. They just never hear from them again. <laughs> nah, it's good. Um, but, yeah, overall good. I had a great meeting this morning with uh, Athletes for Arizona, which is a new initiative with Arizona um, Community Foundation as well, trying to galvanize athletes um, in the in the basin um, to make sure that kids have access to sports, which I think is something really cool, and all the benefits that come from that, from health and wellness, uh, from academics, um, from leadership, um, just really, really good um, uh, meeting this morning. So uh, things are good, uh, being impactful. Have you gotten over the bills? Have you gotten over the loss right there? I Yeah, I got over as soon as the game was over. I'm not, my blood, sweat, and tears is no longer in it. I mean, so I can sit back and watch the game. Yeah, I feel bad for the guys, but if I'm still invested in wins and losses that I have no control over, there's something going on. I have a tra- I have a transition well. If I'm still, it, ah, I'm upset. And I know fans love it and get into it, and I and I get that part. But I've tried to do a good job of just trying to separate myself. So I'm something that I did for so long is no longer driving my emotional state. I was you know what say, I mean? That means you have trans- transitioned <laughs> so over funny. to being a fan, uh, actually. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I came in this morning and I, I was melancholy. I, I just kind of had all these memories coming back because it's championship weekend because I never played in a playoff game, mm, oh, <laughs> let yeah. alone championship weekend. Right, right? right. And yet I, it, it was making me angry <laughs> and melancholy. And I was thinking of Friday and the way you'd feel on a Friday, getting ready to play on a Sunday, whatever it may be, that 48-hour window came around, and it was like, wow, it was... You got serious, and I, I felt that way, and it was kind of cool to be 60 and savage, granted, <laughs> to be 60 and still kind of have that feeling of what it was right. like. I think my, that uh, felt yeah, my thing is redirected, and I've tried to be real intentional about this now. Like, I, I, I get like that from when my kids are competing and I'm coaching, so it's different, and so... I'm excited about our game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I get get to. Um, yeah, but the game, I, it just, it's, <laughs> I can't allow myself to get in because it takes a lot to get in there. And I think for me, uh, stepping away from the mental aspect has allowed me to enjoy the game more. I can actually watch it and like, oh, okay, that's cool, and then kind of walk away from it, not knowing that 
my livelihood and the way I'm going to provide for my family resides on every down or how I play. So I think that for me, I've tried to separate myself intentionally from from that emotional roller coaster that you can go on plant being a part of something that that big. That's awesome, too, because off the air, Wolf had asked, like, I wonder if Zoe's going through this today. And what was my response? (laughs) No, Zoe's got this on lockdown. He already figured out how to shut this off. And that was pretty pretty spot on right there with the intentionality. Uh, All right, Zoe, we got four teams left in these playoffs, and they have all been really impressive. Sometimes you have a team that sneaks in there, and you're like, oh, this is a fun story, but they're going to get smoked. I don't see a weak team this year. Do you? No, not at all. I mean, when you think about these teams, their pedigree, uh, their physicality, uh, especially when you think about more so, I think, the the Niners, the Eagles, and the Bengals. The Chiefs have the ability to do it, but it's not as consistent as those three other teams. Um, uh, the swagger about them, the confidence. Uh, I, I don't see a weak team. And then I think the Kansas City is just proven, and they're just, they've been there, and they know how to operate in that situation. Um but I, I'm I'm excited for these games, uh, especially the Niner Philly game. I grew mm. up a Niners fan, and I like their brand of football, and so it's going to be really fun watching that game for me from a defensive perspective. You know, uh, Warner and Greenlaw, and the way those guys play over there and get after guys and physical and the adjustments you make. So I'll have fun just kind of seeing the back and forth, really, for, with both defenses and how they match up because there are some. If you want to say, you know, you think about um, AJ and you think about uh, Waddle. Is it Waddle is over there, right? Or Smith. Smith. Devontae Smith, Smith, right? In the matchups that they can create on the outside. Uh, When you think about the offense for the 49ers um, and Debo and and, um, Christian McCaffrey and their group, Kittle, and the mismatches that they can kind of create with that. And how is the defense going to respond? Who's going to set the tone in the line of scrimmage and really solidify the game early? And I think that's that's, those are the things that I'm excited for, that physicality and how the line of scrimmage is dominated, which ultimately I think is going to lead to who wins these games, just like we saw with the Bills uh, Bengals last week. The Bengals dominated that game on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and you can nullify, you know, these superpowers, you know, um, in the NFL when you do that. And I mean, mix in. I think I said that even last week. I see the Bills winning this game, but if they cannot stop the run, yeah. they're, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's what we saw. We saw them physically in the Bengals dominate that line of scrimmage, and I look for them to do the same thing this week and actually beating the Chiefs, I think. Yeah, man, you know, it was, I was going to ask you, when you think of a matchup, an individual matchup in both of these games, the NFC and the AFC, what do you think of? Where, where does your mind go? Is it the quarterback to quarterback, Burrow and, and Mahomes, or is it more... You know, it's Travis Kelsey and whoever's going to try. What's your matchup? Hopefully, they right. guard him this week. Um, they didn't last week. No, they, they didn't. That, which, that was a which, is, which is yeah. crazy. On the individual level, where uh, does your mind go on the matchups? You know, I always like linebacker play. I, I I like to see how guys are coming up, especially in the run game, because that's typically what gets overlooked. Everybody likes the sexiness of all these yeah. plays, and let's throw the ball down the field. And when we look at these, especially on the NFC side, just the linebacker play, how guys are going to be handled when, when these big line, physical lines are coming up to the next level, how are you thumping guys, setting that edge, or filling that gap with that body in order to win the line of scrimmage collectively with your defensive line. And so that's where my eyes go, especially playing with a guy like Trent Williams when I was in Washington. I always want to see what he's doing out there because he's normally throwing cats around. And so how, <laughs> how do you respond to that physicality? You know, who sets the tone within those 
those first series, um, and then how does that other team respond to it? Because and sometimes you come out and get smacked in the mouth and like, man, this is gonna be a long day. And you don't respond well, or do you get back up and then try to come back and smack a guy like Trent in the mouth? Or do you allow who he is and, and what he's all about to overwhelm you? So those are the, that's where my eyes typically gravitate because that's where I play ball at, and I understand that the most, and I know that's where for me is the most uh, value importance as far as a team winning a game. Well, you played with Trent Williams. It was really that was the start of his career, right? I mean, could you tell this this is yes. where he's going to be like instantly? Yes. Yeah. The okay. dude is. I mean, he's always had a work ethic. He's always had that dog physical mindset, um, and he, and he wasn't just like a, a big soft Huey baby, right? <laughs> Sometimes you get these big three thirty dudes that look like guys, but then you know, and I, I don't know, say play like Jane. That's just what we used to I, say, right? right? Exactly. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I don't give me the time. Yes, yeah, yeah, right, that's right. And that's just what that's just, just a saying, yeah, okay? Just yeah. a saying. It's just a saying. Exactly, we know. Um, and he brought it every single day, whether it was in practice, uh, run game. You knew you had to be on your P's and Q's when you competed against this dude because he wanted to embarrass you. Um, and that's what you know, I love. I I don't want to just, you know, do my job. I want to dominate you while I'm doing my job, and that's what he brings. And so <laughs> watching a guy like that that can run four seven four eight track guys front side, and you trying to run away from him as a linebacker, um, and I've had my run-ins with him too. It's just it's just fun to watch him play and because uh, he is the epitome, I think, of physical football. And so, you know, and I, that embodies the Niners' run game. So that's going to be fun to watch him go at it. And obviously, as a former teammate wanting to see him do well. Yeah, there are so many matchups, too, that I'm looking forward to, especially on the NFC side, because I I love the Eagles' offensive line. I think they're the best offensive line in in the NFL, and yet that front seven, that front seven for the 49ers is fight you to the ground in terms of stopping the run. I. It's the classic unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yes. <laughs> Something's got to give in Something the NFC. These, these, especially in the NFC, those are clearly the two best teams. Like, there's not like, oh, maybe this team should have gotten. No, it's it's San Francisco and Philadelphia. We'll get back into that in a little bit. When we come back, we're going to talk Cardinals coaching search. Who does Lorenzo Alexander think should be the Cardinals coach of the names that are left at this point now? It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Nothing like this. Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran. And he is going to get sacked. Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal. The Lowdown with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. All right, welcome back to the show. We got the Lowdown on a Friday afternoon today, and we are on high alert Assuming something is going to happen with the Cardinals <laughs> soon. I mean, it doesn't have to happen, and it doesn't have to happen today. But I got to think at some point you've interviewed your guys. I mean, now we're just into the decision making and or negotiating process, right? I, I just I don't think we're going to get some notification tomorrow morning. Hey, the Cardinals are interviewing this new candidate out of nowhere. Yeah, that, that would kind of. I mean, if you're doing that, you're basically saying. Everybody else is out the window because then you're just leaving Sean Payton out there to go to Denver or go back to TV or yeah. whatever. What is the longest interview you've ever heard of, Zell? <laughs> Have you heard, you know, I, I because I it's not that I've paid an awful lot of attention to this. Right. But it seems like seven hours is pretty long. Like, I, I would think it, it, it was it, going it's ex- well, it's, right? Right. It's extremely long. Um, 
Um, so I don't know if it's, you know, a, we, we meet, we have lunch and then meet again. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and they count that all as the seven hours. Um, you know, I've heard of guys kind of do that. And when you stay, the longer you stay, they're like, okay, I want to hear more about what you're saying versus breaking at lunch. Like, oh, I think we're good right here. Well, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's move in a right, different direction. We'll get back to you. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I really don't know. I don't know what's taking so right. long. I don't know what's going on in, in that regard. Um, but I know you got to do your due diligence. I know you got to go through the whole entire process, and you want to make sure, again, that you haven't left any stone unturned. But I think at this point, part of the process with the many because they've interviewed what about four guys four or five guys i think we're up to Actually, about six or six or seven, seven right seven. so you should know who you want that's the thing you know right? point, you should know it yeah. should be very clear and maybe it's one or two guys um and so maybe they're just waiting on you know again sean back hey we want to hire you ah just hold on yeah but at some point you got to just pull the trigger yeah um you've you've gone through the process you've thought about it um, now you got to hire somebody because the longer you wait, right, the longer it takes to because the draft is is not moving or the combine is not moving, right? And you want to get this uh, the whole executive team or the visionaries of this organization, right? You GM, owner, uh, head coach, all moving in the same direction, making sure that we're communicating, getting everybody that's underneath us as far as the scouts, um, people in the front office, all moving in the same direction. Yeah. Um, and so the longer you take, it kind of delays that process. Even I know the scouts are still working and doing, going to the senior bowls and all this. But you want to make sure they're looking for the type of guys you want, right, with your vision um, collectively and not kind of just out there just looking for good players. You want them to be intentional about who they're trying to identify that can help this football team move forward based on what the collective thought process has been. Just to sort of reset, too, for anybody that's kind of missed, just kind of jumped in over the last couple of days, Dan Quinn back in Dallas as the defensive coordinator. So he's staying there. Frank Wright goes to Carolina. It sounds like D'Amico Ryans is going to Houston, but that can't be done until next week anyway. So that leaves, in terms of, of people the Cardinals have talked to or been linked to, Aaron Glenn, Giro Evero, Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, Sean Payton. Now, Zoe, obviously, Sean Payton is the the, the flashy name. That's the home run hire right. and all that. But uh, you said something to me the other day. Old school mentality, new school environment. Right. Do you look at one of these coaches as being more likely to be able to implement that sort of culture? I'm not... Go through the. I don't took a couple of coaches. I don't know who they are. Yeah, so I'm assuming. I'm assuming Aaron Glenn's not. I don't know. I mean, he's been. He's the okay. I've, I've heard about Detroit. Aaron Glenn. Yeah. I think I mentioned him. I don't know him that well, but I know another player that I know vouched for him. Like, man, I love that dude. That's yeah. a good dude. Um, and so I trust him. I would. Okay, he's okay. worthwhile bringing in and, and can run a football team. Zero uh, uh, Evero don't know. Uh, from the Broncos. Yeah, so, I, yeah no, I know no familiarity with him. And so, what, what is his what is his role or his defensive background? coordinator with the Broncos? Yes. I think it was it, this was his first year in that role too, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. Okay, yeah, I thought it was his second. Maybe, maybe it's his second. Okay. But he's early in the job, and obviously those guys play really well with them, given the offensive situation and everything else. Defense right, great, so yeah. he, defense played well, so he may have some some credibility to him. I, you know, going from I've seen a lot of coordinators try to make that step and not and not necessarily ready without the experience. So I don't I don't I don't know. Same thing with. Aaron Glenn, yeah. I, you know, you don't know how they're going to manage your team. Um, and then you said Brian Flores, right? Well, so yeah, the top three, I would, I would guess now with Dan Quinn back in Dallas is, is got to be in some order, Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, Sean Payton. 
And those yeah. guys all approach this from a very different background, too, because Vance Joseph has been here, certainly. Mm-hmm. And they've all been a head coach before, too, to varying degrees of success. Yeah, and so I guess that statement that I meant, right, and I think coaches have to learn, and you got to see how you can grow. And mentality, culture is non-negotiable, right? I want physical, accountable dudes that's going to show up to work and do their job and try to do their best in their ability to accomplish the, the goals we set in front of them. Now, how you, the, the, the environment that you create in order to make that happen Right. I think that ha- you have to kind of play to the new age of player. Right. So does that mean mean playing music at, at practice? Does that mean having, uh, you know, certain types of breaks or just a certain type of vibe where you can be yourself? Right. You can. Um, I don't want you just to show up and not be heard. I want you to be yourself in the building and kind of hang out. Right. How do you manage that as um as the head football coach, right? We have these non-negotiables that you better show up, but, hey, I'm going to give you the freedom within our environment to still be who you are as long as you're meeting these non-negotiables. Um, and I think you have to do that with guys because I don't think you can be as rigid as once upon a time the NFL was or just culturally uh, that we've been in the, in the past. I think guys turn deaf to that. I think that becomes uh, overwhelming and, and, not, and not fun in a, in a sense right um, and to where you can lose guys because you're always you're just overbearing yeah um, I think it, it can be productive but at longevity wise you may have guys that just try to get in and get out right and I, and I also think you may lose guys unless you're like a Bill Belichick that has credibility of well you know guys should go to New England because they knew every other year they're going to be in the Super Bowl and maybe win one that helps right <laughs> so I'm going to go in here hang out lock in because I know this Bill Belichick way but I got Tom Brady I might get me a ring and then and then as soon as that I'm gone right and so that type of culture in in this new era of where we're at with our young men and in the new age football player I don't think necessarily is conducive to starting your culture or the environment that you want to have your culture thrive in has to be a little looser has to be a little bit more uh giving and and um uh, collaborative, right, with guys that have earned it. I'm not talking about a rookie. You get to say what you want to say. You know, I'm talking about a guy like a J.J. Watt, Kelvin Beecham, guys like that, that elk that have been in the league for a while and have proven them as to be a professional where it's a little bit more collaborative in that effort, maybe a little bit more music and a little bit vibe, a little bit more looseness to, to the atmosphere versus so rigid that you may think about when you say, Bill Belichick. You know what's amazing about Envero too? He did only he was the defensive coordinator one year. Oh, it only really was one his year, first year, okay. One year up there. But think about this. When you when you talk about this young guy, um twenty sixteen, he was a quality defensive quality control coach. Twenty sixteen. Right, yeah, yeah. He has skyrocketed. That's when quick. you stop and think about that, That's what quick. does that tell you? What when you think about that? That, it tells that me tells he's me doing his job well. He's I mean, I think, he, I think he's an elite talent, and people can identify it's that a as. Of time right, for him. right. So he's going, he's extending through the league, and obviously people are responding well because you can see his guys playing hard for him amongst all that adversity with the with the offense right yeah. throughout the year, and they still never really wavered as far as who they were and how they compete. 
Orthopedic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he, he is priming himself for it. Now, I don't know if he's ready for it. That's another big jump because now you have to handle the whole organization. It's no longer just about football. Right. There's a whole lot of other things as a coach you may not necessarily want to deal with, but you have to because of the role. And so for me, I, you know, I would, I would just want somebody that has been in that role a little bit and, and go with somebody that's been there. Especially because of Cliff. And how the right. conditions in that, which you hired Cliff. Yeah. Correct. And so somebody that's 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 been there, done it, has learned, right? And so when you go with a I guess a retread coach, you know, what have you learned? What have you what are you gonna do differently? What is you why didn't you succeed in this other place? Why did you leave this other place? Um, you know, all those type of questions to see has the coach evolved as well with his thinking and maybe taking some lessons that he's learned as well, right? Because if you're gonna ask your players to do that, you have, have to embody that as well because there's a, there's a reason why you're 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 um you're available right now right especially as a, as a retread head coach the reason why you haven't been hired right so did you learn from that last experience to make you a better head coach this time around all of these names too other than sean payton are all defensive names at this point with frank reich off the board i mean they were mostly defensive names too and i know right. we've talked to, to you about that in the past and and i know which way you sort of lean on on that idea but i mean that feels like with the way the Cardinals are set up right now, they have talent on offense. I kind of like the idea, and yes, I want Sean Payton like everybody else, but I kind of like the idea of a defensive-minded coach that gets the most out of these young defensive players and just builds a really good defense, and anything the offense does is almost right. not not gravy. I mean, San Francisco has a good offense, but sort of trying to follow that path in well, that division. Well, either way you go, at the end of the day, you need to be... Smart, tough, and physical. I, you know, mm-hmm. either either way yes. you go, and then you have to hire well, right? You have to hire somebody that's going to embody those same things on the opposite side of the ball, and be able to uh, relate, connect, and and teach and coach their players to play at that standard, and then hold them to that standard. And so, just because you go with a defensive coach doesn't mean your offense needs to suffer, and just because you go with an offensive coach doesn't mean your defense needs to suffer. You just have to be able to delegate and have somebody that's in that leadership role that has kind of like head coach potential, right? That's why. Most of the time, coordinators become head coaches. So they can lead that unit because as a head coach, you only have so much time. I can't be a head coach, spend time with the offense, and then go talk to the defense. I have to delegate some of that power to my leadership, which is my coordinators, and then obviously the players to embody that. So I only can can worry about so much. And so you have to hire well. You can't just hire your boy. you got to hire somebody that's going to come in and that's that's worth the role that you're giving him, and you trust and know, and that's going to implement that with his unit side of the ball, whether it's offense or defense. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what are you going to be watching for championship weekend? We are about, we're not even, we're about 48 hours away. Lorenzo Alexander is going to stick around for more of the lowdown next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar appeals are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander.
All right, welcome back to the show. We got Lorenzo Alexander here for the lowdown, and uh, we only got a couple segments left here. Cardinals want to make a hire in the next 20 minutes. I really don't want to hear about I think I'm going down. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm probably, going down. I'm, I'm still kind of feeling strong about my 2.01 p.m. hire right as our show ends. But uh, we were talking about this. We got Zoe here. We obviously have championship weekend coming up, too. And we got into the games a little bit before. But, you know, Wolf, you just brought this up as we were coming back from break. You and I already played fulcrum football earlier today. Went through and just kind of picked out some of the the big uh, pivotal players yes. in these games, and we tried to stay away from quarterbacks. I think we did. We usually do, but we got Zoe here. I mean, we should ask Zoe who he thinks some of these these uh, pivotal players are going to be this week. And I'm just going to ask you about a couple of the players, Zoe. I mean, okay, San Francisco in particular. Built on defense, but then you have a running back that's a receiver and a receiver that's a running back. I love it. So uh, let's start there. When, when you're facing a team, they're such a weird team because you got a third string rookie quarterback who was the last pick in the draft who's never lost a game. <laughs> You've got a running back who's a receiver and a receiver who's a running back. How are you supposed to defend that? I mean, that's why they got Christian McCaffrey. And, and, and as much as I hate to give a Stanford dude some love, um, <laughs> I mean, he's a baller. And I, and I love I love the way he runs the, bo- the rock. You know, he's a physical running back. Um, and then his versatility. Um, he creates mismatches. He makes you think about how we're going to defend him. Do we put a safety when he lines in the slot? Do we need a linebacker when he's in the slot? Do we play nickel? Do we need to play base? Right? Because they can essentially go be in 21 personnel, right, and then give you an 11 look and have the fullback as um, yes. um, as the running back, but he's going to be staying in the block, right, which is better than having a, a Christian McCaffrey necessarily back there because uh, the juice is, is a phys- more physical player when it comes to that type of thing, and he's used to blocking, right? Yeah. And that's that's a hard thing to do. Because now I don't I don't necessarily want my wheel linebacker walked out on Christian McCaffrey right now. And if we go 21, I really don't want my nickel in there either, man, because they, they coming downhill with this thing. <laughs> and so that's why I love it. That's why a guy like Kittle is, is stood up, because now they have to worry about where Christian is that opens up other guys. They've added, obviously, another athlete that is a mismatch issue, and you have to take him away or he will expose you. And we've seen his big play ability. So he is going to be vital in this game, uh, whether it's catching or running the rock, and he's going to hit, you know, uh, obviously giving you that duality effect uh, when he's playing the Eagles. So, I don't want to give it away, but I will tell you the name, and my first fulcrum football player, and I want you to go wherever this name takes you, but for me, it was Trent Williams for the 49ers. <laughs> what, what, yeah, what, I mean, what? that's, we talked about him, that's my guy. I mean, I, I, he embodies the way the game should play, be played, right? Him and what's the Eagles is uh, uh, Jason Kelsey. No, no, what's the Eagles left? The left tackle, oh, the uh, Lance hurt. Johnson. Yeah, yes. yeah, the guy that was hurt. Right, back, both yeah. of those guys are like the the epitome of left tackle in the game, right? Or tackles in the game, and how they play this game with the physicality, the athleticism they have. Johnson the, plays right tackle. Yeah, that's what I said. Yes. Tackles. Yeah, after right. I said left tackle. Yeah, right. Just the way they go about it, um, especially Trent and how, the, how long he's done it for in this game to be one of the top tier uh, tackles in this league. I think he was like number three overall pick in 2010 ish somewhere right there. Um, it's 2022, and he's still at the top of his game, mowing down cats. Linebackers have to keep their head on the swivel because he is an enforcer. Um, he's a physical player, and um, again, he is, with this defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles being 
uh, who they are and the amount of guys that they have. Yep. You know, Trent out there dogging one of them one play, you know, <laughs> sets the tone for everybody else, right? Because yes. I'm pretty sure they're hearing about, oh, Philly's this, Philly's this. Oh, they got four backups Brandon that Graham. can be starter, right, that can be starter somewhere else. Hassan Reddick. Yeah, I, man, I don't care about none of that. Watch, watch this, dudes. <laughs> All right, guys, let's do this. I That's told right. you, I told you, man, there ain't nothing. Let's That's do this. Right. So he's going to be, the, I think, the tone setter of the game from uh, when you think about offensive line That's play awesome. for the 49ers. Yeah, Zoe's convincing me to go switch that pick to the 49ers. See, that is, well, I, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a Niner fan, no, and, I'm, and, I'm also a and I'm also yeah, a big true. Trent Williams fan. But, so. but he's also good. I mean, every yeah, defensive oh, he's, player he's, says he's, he's like the elite. best. He's a, hall, he's a future Hall of Famer that we're watching right in front of us. I feel like also like the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah, I love that. I mean, that's where I started. Let's go. Otherwise, we wouldn't let you in here if you didn't like the line of scrimmage. Come on. Let's go. No, but it feels like Trent Williams is that guy, too, where, like, if you just, if you had one of those anonymous polls of all the players, all the defensive players in the league, and they actually had to answer it and they thought yeah. about it, he would be like the top defense or offensive right. Lineman. And then you want they want to talk about swag. Have y'all seen the Forty Nine er swag? I've yeah. never seen a left tackle come out with the bump box out in the front with everybody. <laughs> Trent Swag is high too, right? So we ain't like this big grunt that's just gonna maul so you. Then he gonna out swag you with the confidence too when they coming Man. out. So I mean, he's just a complete player that resonates. I think with every position group on his team, and I'm so feeling, he's a real leader. I'm feeling really good about my first fall. I, 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 I don't even want the Eagles to win. Yeah. Yeah. So just riffed on that for about yeah, well, three that's minutes. That's not fair. He said he's biased because he saw how good he was up <laughs> well, close no, before he got he good. I know him. I know him intimately. You know, that's my guy, my teammate. We spent uh, th- three years together. So yeah. I know what he's made of and who he is as a football player. Cool. And it's been cool to see him continue to mature over the years. Okay, let's ask. Let's talk about the other game. Cincinnati, everybody looks at Joe Burrow. They look at Jamar Chase. You look at Joe Mixon, as you should. They got those three receivers. Yep. What is it about Cincinnati's defense, though? Because they wouldn't be getting here if they didn't have the defense they have. Yeah, they're they're almost, and I, you know, and and it's it's unfortunate, but they're almost cocky, cocky, swaggy. I don't even know. They kind of go over the line, right? We saw what Eli Apple was doing yeah. at the end of the game, right? And that's what they. I mean, that's just what they are are about. And so collectively, I think like they're they're not talked about, and so they play with that on their shoulders, right? Like we're gonna. I'm actually going to show you that I'm actually better than what you think you are, and then I'm going to rub it in your face, right? And that's a little bit of what they have and what they do, and that, I mean, that works for them. And so um, they've been playing really well, good physical, sound football, right? You know, you talk about the Buffalo Bills and this high-powered offense. All right, we're going to show you what this is. We're going to we're just going to beat you guys up and see how you respond. And that and that's just the, their type of mentality as, as far as how they approach it. How about Joe Mixon? <laughs> That oh, was hey. my that was my second oh, we'll just guy go right there. Uh, that's another guy. He's from Oakland, baby. Uh, yeah, man. He, you see that? You see he's when a he bad runs? The, man. You see the run? You see? Don't you think about a little bit about Marshawn Lynch when he's running the rock? He has that little vibe about him, culture, bit, right? You know bit, what I mean? Yeah. That's that. That's just that ruggedness. Maybe not that, that we have. Over and over, yeah. over, over, <laughs> over. But over. that's what Joe Mixon grew over, up over, looking over. at, right? That's his <laughs> one of his mentors as far as how do you play the running back game. So that physicality, Joe Mixon wants all that smoke.
Bring it. Man, I'm going to show so you. Awesome. Over and over. He has that, too. He may not be as uh, outspoken as Marshawn is. And obviously, Marshawn is out. But he's, it's just different, right? But he's sure. going to hit you over and over and over. Even in that game, when they was playing, he'll get five or six yards, get up and flex on them. A first down, right? That's just who he is. And he wants all of it. He wants to be able to carry that rock. And he gets stronger as he goes on and on because he's a physical runner uh, because he has a lot of that, that Bay Area, Oakland vibe to him. And that's, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love it. I'm from the Bay. That is a rare yeah. back that's got that too. It yeah. is, it's not as common as everyone. Thinks. No, no. Most guys don't want it. I, I don't really want you to keep hitting me. Now, I, I, you know, I want to be able to get down. No, he, he's actually searching it out, <laughs> right? And I and, and kind of talk about Marshawn a little bit. I always did, man. That that that's probably the hardest tackle I've ever had to have. People want to talk about AD and the King, who I have a lot of respect for. But that mentality that we're, Mar- you know, that Oakland Barry mentality, Marshawn. Sean had to him that swag that I think Joe Mixon has uh, some of that too not maybe to the extent that Marshawn Marshawn used to just cut back oh. I, I, let me say I was chasing Marshawn down he did not see me he did a spin move I said ooh that's the best thing you can do for a defender chasing a dude yeah. right he might have saw me maybe at the last second I, and I, I I would say I'm a pretty big hitter but not on this one I hit this dude <laughs> he went down but I also crumbled inside <laughs> I got up face mask was bent in and give you he it was like almost like a blind side hit where he couldn't see me really coming and I got up with my face mask bent in and I was a little broken as I said man I gave this dude everything I had and it did not do anything for he got all oh man why you try to catch me like that I said dang man I didn't even didn't even swing didn't make him upset nothing happens to everybody (laughs) trying to tackle a truck yeah that's what it's like and I think Joe Mixon, you know, embodies some of that as well. We got to, one of these days, we got to get Zoe's like, I don't know, top 10, top five, just running backs that want to hit you like that. What Zoe just described, it happened to, it happened to me every day. Every day. <laughs> and you loved it. I got killed. But you loved I it. I did. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Final segment of the show. Larry Fitzgerald weighed in on the Cardinals coaching search a little bit. We'll get you what he had to say and get you Zoe's reaction next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thank you to all Wedge Busters out there. Thank, Thank you, you Wedge Busters. Arizona Sports. Here we go, 15-year NFL veteran, Lorenzo Alexander, joins Wolf and Luke. A guy who epitomizes class, integrity, and is a true gentleman. The Lowdown, brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. All right, we got Zoe for one final segment. We're going to just uh, bask in the fact that Wolf was wrong in this final segment unless a Cardinals head coaching hire comes down in the next 12 minutes. And then uh, I'll be wrong at 201, but it doesn't matter because we won't be here to talk about it. That's right. There you go. Yeah, I'll be driving home. You're wrong, Luke! You already beat your car by 201? Yeah, yeah. Right out there, it's a Friday. I forgot. No, actually, I've got to go down and lay down some stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you reminding me. (laughs) Remember when you thought you were getting out of here at 2 and then you you realized you had to work longer? That was kind of fun. Kicking the cradle. All right, we got Zoe here for one final segment as well. I'm going to play this clip. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, and... The conversation naturally turned to the coaching search for the Arizona Cardinals and Fitz weighed in. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I played for Coach Frank Wright, you know, really, really like Coach Wright. Obviously, Dan Quinn has had success at a, at a very high level. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, those guys are both, uh, you know, off, off the board, as you would say. Like, to me, it's, it's really, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you, if you really want to 
build the foundation for success for, for a very long time. I mean, Sean Payton has done that um, for quite a while in, in New Orleans and, and years before then. He's a he is a um, he's a franchise changing aspect. Right, um, and yeah, he's he's going to be expensive. You have to get compensation up to New Orleans Saints, but like if you're trying to change, um, you know, the conversation, you know, he's he's the guy that you know has the ability to do that. So we were talking about this earlier in the uh, in the show. If you just if you just took a transcript of what Larry Fitzgerald just said right there, and you just read it, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that all checks out. I don't I don't think there's anything like earth shattering in there. I think most people are on board with Sean Payton, but the fact that Larry Fitzgerald is the one saying it. That adds something to it, especially given his ties to the Cardinals and just, I don't know, just his words carry more more uh, weight when it comes to something like this. Right, because you, you understand his uh, relationship with uh, with Michael and yep. them being really tight and obviously being part of his organization for his entirety of his career and what he's meant to this community. And so you know he knows kind of what that process looks like. You know, obviously maybe Michael's confided in him at some point, like what are the things I should be looking for for a coach? Now how closely he's been tied to this, this last process, you know, I don't know. But obviously he's always going to be a consultant that you want to rely on because he knows – Ball. Um, he knows what great culture looks like. He's been a part of bad culture and mm-hmm. Super Bowl contending teams. And if you have that type of resource, you want to um, rely on him, um, obviously, from an outside perspective. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, but I also think Dan Quinn is, 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 a, is, a, good, is a great fit, too. Um, and so you have to kind of go in back and forth and see what you really want and who can work with, obviously, Kyler, this this defense, um, as well as who who's going to be the best visionary for your organization. I think when most people hear about Sean Payton, I think our media thing is like he's going to make Kyler the best right, that yeah. he's going to be, right? right. But being having a perennial or – perennial playoff team goes beyond just having the best quarterback in the league to win a championship it goes beyond just having a great quarterback right and so who's going to be the best guy that's going to um um elevate this organization and everybody within it to a championship caliber level um obviously the quarterback is a significant piece of that but not the only piece and so that doesn't so i say that to say yeah we love sean payton and what he's been able to do in the past but does that mean that dan quinn is not a better fit for elevating this organization as an entirety moving forward and and i think that's what this maybe that's a little bit of the waiting game right now maybe there's some, some different perspectives as far as who that guy is even within the the circle of trust right now you know when you think about uh mo when you think about michael as far as making that decision yeah i think dan quinn he's definitely going to be going back to the dallas cowboys he's right, going right back yeah to, yeah right, and i guess that, and yeah. i guess like just talking so, in like in bigger things and that's crazy right with dan quinn going back to the dallas cowboys what did jerry give him right because right. he, he couldn't pay him like a head coach right you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we tried to figure that out say? for the entire yeah. pre-show meeting today. Why? Why take all these interviews if you're just going back to Dallas unless Jerry Jones called you with something? Yeah, if you're Mike McCarthy, how do you feel about that? I don't feel great. <laughs> I can't be just yeah, saying. That's, yeah, it's crazy. That's, yeah, you're, you're coming back. You, wait a minute. I thought you were gone. <laughs> if I'm Mike McCarthy, I at least want somebody to hire Sean Payton now, so I only have to look over my shoulder <laughs> and Dan Quinn. Yeah, instead of two of them. Yeah, it's just it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and how this transpires. But if you're if you're Michael, would you pick up the phone and call Larry Fitzgerald and talk to him? Of course, of course, of course, you call right? him. And talk you to would him. do that. Yeah, of course. So I, I think that's that's the interesting thing about that to me. 
we, it's an assumption. We're right. making an assumption. But I, I think it's a legitimate assumption. No, I think it's, yeah, really I think it's very high. I phone. would give you like 99% yeah. percent right. really that happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Fitz, what do you think about yeah. all of this? You, know, you, you know what think. it reminds me of? It reminds me of Bill Bidwell. It reminds me of Michael's dad with Larry Wilson. Oh, yeah. The kind of trust wow. that he had in Bidwell Larry with Larry. Wilson. Yeah. Yes. A Larry Wilson. And... Um, it makes perfect sense that he might do that with Fitz, especially because you gotta you gotta look at it now. And, and and Michael's got a new GM and a new assistant GM that weren't here two weeks ago. And I mean, who else is he really bouncing ideas off of? Right. I mean, there's people around the building. I mean, sure, Wilson, of course. Maybe, but I'm just saying in general, like why why would you cut that off? It's not like Larry Fitzgerald's gonna you're gonna call him. He's gonna be like, you have to hire Sean Payton. Like, okay, you kicking in like right, forty million. Right. That's not Fitz. Right? Yeah. No, no, no. He's gonna give you his opinion, his insight, and say, well, you can run with it from here, whatever you want to. Right. That's yeah. why you like guys like Larry around you because he's not going to try to strong arm you or try to take over a situation. That's why he's a good consultant, a good friend, and why he was in his organization for so long. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's just, But I think there's been, I don't want to say it's not a pie, I think there's just uncertainty of who that guy is who can elevate the organization and not beyond just the one player that I think a lot of us are concerned with as far as who the head coach is going to be and how they're going to impact the quarterback situation. We've gotten this question a lot too throughout the week and I wonder if maybe this is is part of what not that it's taking so long but like at this point if they're not interviewing interviewing anybody else what what is what is taking long now how much of this process here is if you're hiring Brian Flores, let's say, trying to figure out who the offensive coordinator is going to be. If you're any of these guys, like trying to put together a staff, or are you going to do that after you get hired? Typically, I mean, you would hire a guy. He already has his short list of guys that he's talked to. Like, I get this job, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you on as my OC. Um, and they've probably communicated that in these meetings, that, you know, that last saying. seven like, hours, right? Know? Yeah. Like, hey, if you <laughs> hire me, hours. I'm gonna bring in <laughs> this guy, this guy. If you don't like this guy, I got this guy over here. Especially if you've been in the in the, in the league for a while, I. I got about three or four different DB coaches that I like, just depending on who's available and who's not, who's going to stay, who's not, right? That's why typically you want to have somebody that's has some experience in the league because they have multiple relationships because everybody's situation is is different, yeah. right? If I'm, you, you may not be able to make a lateral move because a, a team may not allow you to do that. Um, maybe you want to stay in an organization that's further along in winning as a coach. So, and I, I appreciate it, man, but I'm going to hold off because I like my situation here because we're winning and I'm about to get elevated right so you have to have multiple relationships as a head coach and so that's been communicated in these meetings as well so it's not like um the cardinals aren't aware of potential offensive coordinators special team coordinators um and and other position groups as well and once again i know dan quinn of course is going back to the cowboys but still that was one of the most appealing things about dan quinn to knew everybody he was in the league 20 years yeah yeah, yeah. 20 years as a coach Six different organizations. Do you think he's come across a lot of assistant coaches? Of course. And, uh, he has. And then we were going over his staff in well, Atlanta. Well, then everybody loved him. Yeah, his staff in Atlanta was ridiculous. Oh, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. Uh, who else? Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. 
There was somebody else, though. I'll pull it back up. There no, was, he had like five guys. Were the head coaches now? Coaches now. <laughs> yeah. It it blew me away, but that that is just it comes with the business, man. It's part of the industry. You just get exposure to a lot of different people when you're in a lot of different organizations. And as long as he was in it, that was appealing to me yeah. because of the staff you could have. Raheem Morris, Kyle Shanahan, yeah. Matt Lafleur, yeah. Mike Lafleur, Mike McDaniel, Jeff right. Because yeah, to your point, wow. you know he's going to bring in quality guys that's going to be teachers and coaches, right? That's right. going to hold guys to a high standard because he's been around it. And as you know, that's part of the interview process. Yeah. You know, they ask coaches that, hey, what would your staff look like? Yeah, right. Well, they should. They should. Absolutely. And and this this week was like everybody talked about how much you love Dan Quinn week around the NFL. And then I he know. went back to Dallas. I know. All that. so he's just going back to Dallas. Very, very strange here. People all right. ask, why do you think he did that? So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the side. <laughs> why, why do you think? What is your gut? Hey, I... Man, if you if you ever been around Jerry Jones, you just know. I mean, <laughs> I've been around, man. Else. I mean, I've been around him enough that man, I'm, I'll, I'll boatload of money. Here goes some other some investments that you can be a part of, so you can make money on top of outside the league. And then, hey, hey, man, hey, next year we don't win, man. You got this Dallas job, all right? You know, all you know, Jerry's a businessman. Now, that's one thing I will never hate on Jerry Jones about. He is a businessman, and he normally can get right. and manipulate or coerce. Maybe that's a better word to get people to stay with him and, and be a part of his, his organization. When you say boatload of money with Jerry, too, it could actually be a yacht floating yeah, yeah. through the it river could, with a It bunch could of be. Money. Hey, man, you got Literally. access to my yacht. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever whatever Dan Quinn's fancy is, whatever he likes, you know Jerry was throwing that, hey, man, I got this, too, over here. Why are you leaving us, yeah. man? You don't want to be, you know, and there's this, I got this. We're going to take care of you, brother. You, you a cowboy. And this, <laughs> hey, we got you in the future, too. Yeah, that's probably what happened. After, after everything got built up to the point where that's who I, I think a lot of people were, were, I don't want to say okay with. I know the Cardinals fan base in general is like, we want Sean Payton. But I think people were on board with Dan Quinn. I do think people are on board with Brian Flores, too. And I guess that comes down to the final thing we have time here for. I, I'm going to be okay with Brian Flores. I yeah, I'll be fine with Brian I, Flores. Honestly, I want somebody who has coached as a head coach in this league. And before. I don't think he's as close to Bill as, as we think he is. I think he's more Mike T. Really, I think he's closer to Mike T than Bill Belichick because Mike T is 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 all ball guy too now. No, big time. You know what I mean? So, I, but I don't think it's as You're talking about Tomlin for people. Mike Tomlin, yes. Mike I'm Tomlin, thinking, I think he's yes. closer to that than. Bill Bell, and it's and it's and it's, it's it's a spectrum. So I think that he's like probably. If you think about right, right, I bro, know. Coach Bro, and you think about my man uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think Mike T is closer to moderate, but probably leans a little bit more towards really old school. And I think he's closer to the middle than we think he is. Interesting. Um, versus being middle to towards the coach, bro. I think he's probably moderate to, like a moderate conservative. <laughs> moderate he's to coach, moderate bro. He's moderate old school. A moderate old school <laughs> philosophy. I think that's where he kind of lies. So if, if there's ever like a, man, how am I going to treat this old school? Um, but he still has enough things right, going on right. where people enjoy being in the building. They know it's not going to be a whole bunch of drama. We're going to have the best coaches. <laughs> We're going to have a, a certain level of accountability. And by the way, what does that gain him? A, a, a never having to lose a season. We got to get that, we that chart out there from Coach Rowe to Old School. <laughs> All right, so thanks a lot, man. Thanks to Lorenzo Alexander. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Lauren Covo behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.